I need that. Thank you, Pastor. Well, once again, it's our privilege uh, to be with uh, Pastor Steve and Tracy. And so many of you faces, so many of you that I remember. Give yourselves a hand clap. Amen. Amen. And uh, my wife is with me, but she, 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 uh, she's resting. Because I'd be running that sister all over the country. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to leave that alone. Um, but, uh, so it's, it's great to be back with you. And uh, I believe the Lord is going to uh, speak his word to you. And uh, do me a favor, if you don't mind. Um, get out pen and paper. Or get somebody else to take notes for you, uh, whichever you choose. And um, can I take my time and just teach the word? Is that all right? Okay. Now, Some things I just sort of want to mention in passing that are important. Um, in Matthew, now you don't have to turn there because I'm not preaching this. Okay? I'm just mentioning it. Um, in Matthew 22, uh, Jesus is approached by some religious leaders, and they happen to be Sadducees, and you had different kinds of religious leaders. You had the uh, Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, and there were others. Um, you had the Essenes and, and so on and so forth. But, um, and as what happens in different schools of thought, um, they argue back and forth and the Sadducee uh, approaches Jesus, and this is what he says. Uh, you know, he, he says uh, they didn't believe in any resurrection. So what they say, the law of Moses said that, uh, you know, if a man uh, has a wife and he dies, the brother's supposed to take her and raise up seed to the, to the brother. And there were among us, uh, oh, uh, seven brothers. The first one had a wife, died. The fifth one had, you know, the fifth one, you know, one, two, three, took her, five, six, seven. The last one died. And in the end, uh, whose wife shall she be in the resurrection? Okay. And I'm sure the Sadducees used that uh, line of logic real successfully with some Pharisees who didn't have an answer. And I'm not going to go into the answer uh, in detail except for Jesus said, Have you never read that which God said to you through Moses? You know, I'm the, I'm the God of the living, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all who are alive to him. But then he says something very interesting, and this is a very important point. He said, you're mistaken. You are an heir because you don't know the scriptures. And then he said, there's a second reason why you're an heir, and you don't know the power of God. In effect saying, in order for you to be in the truth... And in order for you to have freedom and liberty 
and know God, you have to both know the scriptures and the power of God. Now understand, we are Westerners reading a Middle Eastern book. And so, because we are really here in the West, came from a Greek culture, we think that to know is to be able to parrot or recite or to give the facts. But Jesus was a Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, to know means to be able to do. Look at somebody and say, you heard the preacher, but you didn't really hear what he was saying to you. Look at somebody and say, you don't know it until you're able to do it. Now, let me tell you the dilemma for us preachers. You want us to preach something new to you. But look at somebody and say, you don't want to fulfill the scripture that says, ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Because see, what can happen is, now I'm just going to mention this to Pastor. Look at somebody and say, this ain't his message, but you need to hear what he's saying. Because... When James says, in James 1, he says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. <laughs> that Greek phrase for hearers only is referring to people who attend a class, they get the information, and they audit the teacher. <laughs> like some of y'all fixing to audit me tonight. In other words, you grade the teacher. I give the teacher an A, I give the teacher a B, I give the teacher a C. I didn't like his presentation or his style. I heard that before I give him a D. He put me to sleep, he got an F. And the problem with the Western church is you think you know it because you done heard it before. But Jesus is the God of the Hebrews. Look at somebody say, he's the Hebrew God. And James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes, be ye doers of the word. The Greek word for doer is poetes. Look at somebody say, it's where we get the word poetry. Now here's the thought behind the word. Is while you're reading the word, hearing the word, the words being preached or the words being taught, you're supposed to be thinking of creative ways you can put that revelation into application. Look at somebody say, get creative tonight and put application to this revelation. Now look at somebody and say, it's not my brother, it's not my sister. It's not my father, it's not my mother, but it's me, O oh Lord. Amen. 
Look at somebody saying, and that ain't even his message. But when the Bible says you shall know the truth, the Greek, the Greek word is gnosko. That means knowledge by experience. See, in our head, see, so like when we read like uh, Exodus fifteen twenty six, where it says, you know, if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, we have some language problems. Look at somebody say, we have language problems. Because, see, in English, we say, listen and hear. And do is a separate word. Obey is a separate word, but not in the Hebrew. It's the same word in the Hebrew. To listen means to obey. To hear means to obey. Which means if you don't obey, look at somebody say, you didn't hear. Now look at him and smile and say, there's something I've been wanting to tell you for a long time now. You don't know half as much as you think you do. <laughs> Look at somebody say, the Holy Spirit is really trying to help you tonight. And then look at him and smile. It looks like you need a lot of help. Now let me tell you something else that folk do to you as you, pre- as you preach. Hear me carefully. I'm going somewhere. Look at somebody say, he really is going somewhere? Is you base how good I preach on whether or not I speak to your need? Look at somebody say, he going to get in your chili tonight. <laughs> no, no, no. See, I, I, listen, listen. I've been at this a while. And I know folk. You base how good I preach on whether I give you a word that speaks to your past or your present, which is equal to your need. Look at somebody say, but you got a problem. Because most of the time, God doesn't want to speak to your need. He wants to speak to your purpose. Because your purpose is your future. <laughs> Look at somebody say, you may write that down. Write it down now. Because, see, here's your problem. Look at somebody say, here's your problem. Hear me carefully. The man who is so focused on getting his needs met never has time to get to his purpose. I'm going to say it again. The man who's always trying to get his needs met He's so busy trying to get his needs met, he don't have time for his purpose. He don't have time for his future. You want to know why? Say, yes, sir. Tell me why. Because as soon as you get one need met, you're going to always have another one. <laughs> so some of us, let me let me say this to you carefully. Some of us, 
Look at somebody say, this preacher is starting trouble tonight. Listen to me carefully. I'm not saying that your need is not important. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, one of the reasons you can't get your needs met is your need has become your idol that you hold up in the face of God. In that, you will do God's purpose after you get your needs met. When everything's right in my marriage, when I get child number three fixed, Lord, when my money ain't no longer funny, Look at somebody and say, uh, what kind of disciple are you? See, because I, I listen to Jesus. Yeah, you probably got to work with me, brother, because I'm going to move on you. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your need is always about your present or your past. The man who's always focused on his present or his past can't see his future. Oh, no, no, I'm going to go somewhere. Because, see, when you're always focused on your present or your past, you're always focused on your need. You Look at somebody say, it's still all about you. So the disciple comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go bury my dad. Look at somebody say, my dad needs to be buried by me. It's my need to bury my dad. So then Jesus hears him. Because the man says, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but let me first bury my. Jesus heard him. This time it was his dad that needed to be buried. Next time his sister's going to be in crisis, he's going to have to help her. Next time... Uh, uh, he, uh, his, his business ain't working quite. Look at somebody say, me first. Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me first go home and say goodbye to my mom and to my dad. Jesus rejects me first disciples. Because he's not going to let you follow him on your terms. You're going to have to follow him on his. So then he says, let the dead bury the dead. You go and preach the kingdom. No man looking See, I'm trying to make you think. You're too busy with your need.
You're too busy with your need to get somebody here at the church on Sunday. Look at somebody and say, I thought this was going to be an inspirational message. <laughs> Look at somebody else and, say, and smile at them and say, I thought this was going to be a message about healing and miracles. Now look at him and say, you're the one with a healing that needs a healing and it's going to be a miracle to get you to obey God. Because <laughs> what I'm trying to get you to see, please hear me, what I'm trying to get you to see is this. If you'll take care of his business, everybody say, take care of God's business and meet God's purpose. Look at somebody saying, if, he'll, if you'll take care of his business, he'll take care of yours. See, it's very subtle how your need can become your idol. Now, it's a trap. Look at somebody saying, it's a trap. Let me tell you why it's a trap. Hear me carefully. Let me tell you why it's, let me tell you why it's a trap. Because when you look at your need and it becomes your idol, but you don't know it's an idol, you begin to focus on what God ain't doing. And now you frustrated. Write that down. That was, write that down. When you focus too much on your need, it becomes an idol. Now you're focusing on what God's not doing and it leads to frustration. Now, here's the implication of it. <laughs> Jesus is still Lord. Look at somebody say, even though you're doing this, Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still first. But here's, here's, here's how crafty the enemy is. By getting you to focus on what God's not doing, your need, you miss, not, not only do you miss God's purpose and your future, listen to me carefully. You are now reacting to the enemy instead of responding to Jesus. So you have put Satan back into your life. Look, Satan will take second place if he can't have... And how Satan gets second place is getting you to react to what the devil is saying and doing instead of responding to what Jesus is saying and what he's trying to get you to do. The only way you're going to respond to what Jesus is saying or what Jesus wants to do to your life is to focus on your purpose, your future. So you ain't got time to focus on the center this week. Plan and plot and scheme with the Holy Ghost on how you going to get them here on Sunday. You can't hear God say, take them out to Red Lobster. Because folk will come to church if they know they're going to be fed well. You ain't got a plan in your mind. 
You ain't got anybody targeted for salvation. You just brought your four and no more to church tonight. Look at somebody said, this preacher's cussing me out. Uh, look at somebody say, you need to get delivered. Look at, look at them and smile and say, I really been wanting to tell you that for quite some time now. And see, here's what you don't, here's what you don't get. Let's say you got your own business. You can lead people to the Lord and God said, oh, okay. I'm going to send out angels to talk to people to come to your business. Oh, okay. Let me step back from that. Let me step back. Look at somebody say, I'm, say, I'm glad he's stepping back. Because, see, here's my question. Look at somebody say, look out now. Look out. I want you to say to somebody, put on your seatbelt. Strap yourself in. Now look at them and say, where are the people you have won to the Lord this year? <laughs> well, you ain't, you ain't got time to pray for souls. You praying over getting your needs met. So if we if we weighed in the balances, you praying for your needs and souls. Look at somebody said, that's why you still got your problem. Uh, look at somebody said, this brother, this brother reminds me of Kevin Leal. <laughs> Look at somebody say, he was Kim's forerunner. So now, so now I'm thinking, watch me now, watch me now. See, you want the, see, you know what, you want the Lord, you want the Lord to advance your ministry. I got news for you. The Lord is not about advancing your ministry. The Lord is about you advancing his ministry. That's why your personal ministry ain't going where you want it to. Because if God was to breathe on it real strong, you'd be warped. You'd be warded. Because it's all about you. Because, see, here's what happens to folk. Look at somebody say, he preaching. What happens is, is folks start out falling in love with God, but they end up loving their ministry more than they love God. Uh, 
So let me just make a suggestion. Look at somebody say, listen to this suggestion. Now, let me show you something. I just want you to think about this. Just think about this. Look at somebody say, this is generally true, but it's not always true. But look at somebody say, but it's generally true. So now here you got Jesus. And he does something really interesting. He submits himself to the ministry of another man before he comes into his own. I.e. John the Baptist. He affirms the ministry of another before he comes into his own. He validates and submits himself to and surrenders to, i.e. baptism, the anointing of another before he comes into his own. So, now, watch me now. Why, watch, watch me now. Why would God want you to build abundant life? Why would he want you to do that? Look at somebody say, to take the focus off of you. So, what you would want to do is you would want to build not look at somebody say, don't try to build your ministry. Build the church. Because Matthew 16 says, Jesus says, I will build my church. Look at somebody said, Jesus never promised to build your ministry. He promised to build his church. So if I, if I switch from trying to build my ministry to trying to build his church, look at somebody say, I'm now in divine alignment. So if you submit to the vision of another, if you surrender to the anointing of another, if you build the anointing of another, what you do for your brother, Jesus will turn around and do for? Because what you make happen for others is what Jesus makes happen for? Because why are you trying to build your ministry? You're trying to receive. When you're trying to build the church and bless another man's ministry, you're giving. And Jesus said it is more blessed to what? Than to what? I spent 20 years building another man's ministry. While he went to the nations, I stayed at home and pastored the church. (laughs) Did you hear me? And it looked like I was going nowhere. Look at somebody saying, sometimes when you serve... 
it looks like you're not going anywhere. Now, here's my question to you. Where are you trying to go? <laughs> see, see, you ain't caught on yet. Do you guess what you, listen, see, this is what's going to mess you up. You can do with this whatever you want to do with it. Guess what you're going to do when you get to heaven? Say, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Look at somebody say, same thing you did on the earth. Look at somebody say, by love, serve each other. You think serving stops when you get to heaven? No. The one who sits on the throne serves. The nature of God is serving. The nature of heaven is serving. The character of God is serving others. You think that's going to stop because you get the glory? Look at somebody say, you're going to do more serving when you get there than you ever did on earth. That's all right. That's all right. It don't matter whether you believe it or not. Look at somebody say, but when you get there, you're going to find out. <laughs> ah. I'm going to leave that alone. Lord Jesus, you know I really want to go there. I'm only going to say this in passing. If you don't learn how to do it here, look at somebody say, by love, serve others. You probably ain't going there. Uh, I'm just going to say this in passing. You can do it this, whatever you want to do with it. Most of us, when we land in heaven anyway, you ain't going to the throne. Look at somebody say, you gonna go to the, to the wonder park. Look at somebody say, you gonna go to the garden of God. Look at somebody say, some people call it paradise. Look at somebody say, you ain't even gonna be ready for the throne. You ain't even, look at somebody say, you ain't even halfway ready for heaven now. You ain't ready. Look at somebody say, you say, but you ain't ready. Ah. Look, say, preacher, how do you know? I'm glad you asked. Because when I landed, this joy overwhelmed me. Peter said, is joy unspeakable and full of glory? I think that's accurate. I would describe it joy is indescribable and full of glory. It's not the joy around you, it's the joy that explodes from within you. And you, you, you're gonna land in the wonder park. You're gonna land in the wonder park, the garden of God in paradise. You're gonna hit the ground and the joy of the Lord is gonna rather explode. That's the only way not, it explodes. It is completely overwhelming. And you're gonna be doing like this. And the saints that are there before you're gonna be saying, newbie. Newbie. And you're gonna be there. Ain't gonna be, ain't gonna be no, I, I can only imagine. Ain't gonna even be that. 
know, you can't even praise the Lord. You're just going, ah. And you're going to be saying, if you say anything, if you can talk at all. You're going to be like, I can't take this. That's how it was. And then, see, going to heaven is like going to a foreign country. Look at somebody say, that's how carnal we are. Look at somebody say, when you first come into a foreign country, you got to go through orientation. <laughs> that's where the believers who were there before you start serving. Because, see, <laughs> okay, that's, that's a, I'm only going to touch this a little while longer, then I'm going to move on. Because i got to show you something. First thing you got to learn is how to communicate. <laughs> you got to figure out, are you going to talk when you get there? Are you just going to know? Or are you going to speak spirit to spirit, thought to thought? When you get there, they're going to tell you, don't try to go, go and see everything. Look, <laughs> They're going to tell you, you got forever. <laughs> Look at somebody say, ain't no hurry. <laughs> you know, you don't want to think, I want to think, I want to think, I want to get to the throne. You ain't ready for the throne. You're going to be overwhelmed by the glory and the wonder park. You, look at somebody say, you ain't even ready for the city. And you definitely ain't ready for the throne. Look at somebody say, you're going to have to eat from the tree of life. And you have to drink from the river of life. Most of us will, but have enough, to, uh, have enough to be able to handle the, well, that's alright. It don't matter whether you believe me. It don't matter. When you get there, you're gonna say, that preacher told me the truth. <laughs> uh, I believe I don't know. And when that flower smile at you, and starts praising the Lord, and you watch the note come up. And there you can see further in here. And the note goes up and heads for the Father and goes in the Father. And the people start praising the Lord. You watch the notes go up, and they go into the Father. I'm going to leave that alone. I know the Father's looking for some notes to go up from the earth. Watch me now. Hear me carefully. Because Jesus will not return until the worship of the earth is like the worship in the third heaven. Okay. Let me just mention this in passing. Think it through. The book of Revelation is about two things. First, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And second, who you're going to worship. And how you're going to worship him. Your first chapter is your clue. Jesus appears, and what's the first thing John does? Chapters 2 and 3, Jesus comes to the churches and says, you ain't got your worship right. Chapter 4, you're shown heavenly worship. Then you are shown the choice that's laid before men and women on the earth. Are you going to worship the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet? Are you going to worship the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in Jesus' name? Because either worship you choose is going to cost you. 
Just thought I'd mention it to you. It'll, it'll change the whole way you look at the book of Revelation. Because everybody's got a mark. The saints are sealed in there. Look at somebody say, Prophet Ezekiel. But that's okay, I ain't preaching that either. Look at somebody say, he's trying to make you think. Now, now I'm going to continue to make you think. Look at somebody say, he's going to continue to make you think. Because look at somebody say, because your mind need help. So anyway, I got this disciple, this brother I discipled. His name is Wintrick. Uh, he was on drugs, and he was on alcohol, and he lived in the projects, and he got saved, and he was retarded. He was retarded. He was retarded. He was in, you know, special education. He was married. He was retarded. And so um, his wife his wife read the word to him every day. He couldn't read. Watch me now. Look at somebody say, watch me now. So now his wife reads the word to him every day. And one day she's reading the word to him, the word of God to him. And she comes across something she don't know what it is. So he says, well, hand it to me. And he proceeds to read it. And from that moment, he was healed of mental retardation. So now he starts seeking God, and he comes up with a 10-year plan. I'm preaching. Look at somebody say, Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get an understanding. So when God heals him of this mental retardation, God begins to supernaturally give him wisdom. So he comes up with a 10-year plan, and he prays his 10-year plan. Watch me now. So then... He starts out being a janitor. Look at somebody said, the preacher's preaching to you. Listen to it. He starts out being a janitor, and he starts out cleaning other folks' business. And he's faithful. Look at somebody say, whatever you do, do it to the Lord and not to men. After a while, God gives him his own business. After a while, this multimillionaire says, huh, I want to make you vice president of my company, and I want you to run the nursing homes. Then God gave him this idea of how to make nursing homes make money. So he goes before the Senate in the state of Missouri and says, I have a proposal. And they say, yes. So now, so now, He has a golden parachute, and the business is expanding. Here's how his golden parachute goes. I'm not going to tell you how much. Look at somebody say, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Let me tell you his golden parachute. You ready? If he gets fired, he gets... If he quits, he gets, if he decides at any point in his contract he wants to stop working and go preach the gospel, he gets a lot. Look at somebody say, that's why you need to get in the word. So when the scripture says it's the Lord your God who gives you power to get wealth, the Greek word, the Hebrew word for power is the word wealth. It's the Lord your God who gives you wealth 
to get wealth. Look at somebody say creative ideas. Oh, okay, okay, see. Look at somebody say you ain't got it yet, but you're going to get it. So, uh, uh, I, I, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I just want to ask you a question. Look at somebody say, y'all know what y'all need? You need for God to raise up businessmen and women in this church who will take care of God's business so he'll bless yours. Oh, let me tell you how much this makes. If we have a revival at our church, our businessmen make sure that it's we got all the money before the revival. We got all the money before we had the meeting. The businessmen. Make sure it happens. Are you hearing me? Guess how, guess how their businesses are doing, the ones who do that. The ones who won't do it, guess what's happening to theirs. I'm just mentioning it to you. Look at somebody say, man's gift makes room for him. Some of you sisters, y'all could do child care. You could go to the Department of Children and Family Services, get your child care license, find you a couple of kids, raise them, get them saved, get them into church, make $1,000 a month, $1,500 a month. God, I'm worshiping Jesus, and you in your own business, because you're going to be taking care of kids anyway. Okay, don't even be tripping. We got folk in our church who do it. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. Look at somebody say, hmm. See, let me say something to you. Let me say something to you. You know, when you start reading, when you start reading, uh, you know, Ezekiel 27, and when you start reading Ezekiel 28, you know, you start hearing about Lucifer. And, and, and God calls him the anointed cherub that covers. You, how many of you guys remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that. Okay. Do you know what the word anointed in the Hebrew means? It means memshak. Memshak. Everybody say Memshak. Look at somebody and say, you need a Memshak anointing. 
Wait a minute, he was anointed cherub that covered. What, what was Lucifer's job? Everybody say, worship. Memshak means the, the ability to spread or to expand. So my brother, who's one of our elders, okay, he's one of the pastors, he has a Memshak anointing. Look at somebody say, you need to pray for a Memshak anointing. Now here, now let me tell you why you got to get your worship right. Look at somebody say, you need to get your worship right. Listen to me carefully, because your revelation rises no higher than your worship. Look at somebody say, your anointing is determined by your worship. Just thought I'd mention that in passing. <clears throat> Look at somebody say, that ain't his message either. Okay, turn to, uh, <laughs> turn to first, uh, first Chronicles. Chapter 12. First Chronicles chapter 12. Now, here's the deal. Listen to me carefully. And this is, I'm saying this to all you who would be ministers. Hear me carefully. Manifestation without instruction will always lead to perversion. Write it down. Manifestation without instruction will always lead to perversion. The only way manifestation is sustained is by teaching. Jesus said you've got to know the word and the spirit, the scriptures and the power of God. So what happens sometimes is we want to see manifestation. Ain't nothing wrong with manifestation. I believe in manifestation. We see all kinds of supernatural manifestations. But <laughs> look at somebody say what you need is instruction. Okay? Because once you get the instruction, when you receive the manifestation, you won't get carried away with what God has done or what he's doing. You'll be carried away with God himself because of the instruction. Okay? Okay? So now, uh, did I tell you First Chronicles? Did I tell you chapter 12? Okay, did I tell you verse 32? Okay, well, then I'm going to tell you. Are you good? The sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. Now, I want you to turn to uh, uh, Colossians, because I, I do want to read some scripture to you. Just because we need to do it. Look at somebody say, you need understanding of the times and what you ought to be doing. Colossians chapter 4, did I tell you? Then I'm going to tell you.
Verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it or watchful with thanksgiving. Look at somebody say, you are to continue in prayer. And you are to watch. You are, look at somebody say, stay alert and give God thanks. Verse 3, meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door. Look at somebody say, there's multiple doors in the realm of the Spirit. The door he refers to here is to speak the mystery of Christ. Now, turn to, oh, let's go to Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 24, Matthew 24. Look at somebody say, pray and watch. Are you in Matthew 24? Verse 43, but know this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Look at somebody say, the reason Satan's broken into your house is because you are sleeping the light. Look at somebody say, sinners are asleep in the dark, but too many saints are asleep in the light. Look at somebody say, pray and watch. Okay, let's keep continue going because I want to explore this theme, and and believe me, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into some stuff, but I got to take my time. Uh, let's see what chapter I'm in. I'm in Matthew 26. Let me know when you're there. Verse 38, part B, stay here and watch with me. Verse 40, and then Jesus came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Look at somebody say, watch and pray. Turn to Matthew, I mean Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men ought to always pray and not to lose heart. Are you good? So now, watch me now. So in any army, there is a planning division. There's a paying division. There's a praying division and a preaching division. Man, if I was you, I'd be praying for the paying division. Because, hear me carefully, no, no king, no general can win a war unless it's what? you got to have it funded. And see, you crazy if you think you can win your individual war without some funding. Look at somebody say, you need to be delivered. 
Now, see, understand, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being a prosperity preacher. I'm telling you what's necessary. <laughs> Ain't that right? I mean, it's necessary. It's necessary. Look at somebody said, there's got to be some planning. There's got to be some praying. There's got to be some preaching. But somebody got to pay for it. Now, see, I know when we start talking money, folks start backing up on you. But see, you ain't, okay, look at somebody say, you ain't a disciple till Jesus got your money. Because your money represents your life. Where a man's treasure is, there's his life also. So when you give your money to God, your tithes and the offerings, you're giving your life to God. So if the Lord really don't have your money, he ain't really got your life. I don't care what you say. Are you hearing me? So you got plans for your money. And you know what your plan for your money is? To meet your need. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. I'm saying... I'm saying that if you take, if you give the offerings that the Holy Spirit tells you, you take care of God's business, he'll send the Memshach anointing and you'll spread. You want to know how, why you'll spread? It's because, listen to me carefully. Okay, when God says, I'll open the windows of heaven, okay, why didn't he just say doors? Because in the house there's more windows than there are what? Do you know what doors, what windows represent? What do you do with a window? You see out. That's the first thing you do. She go up, drops to the bottom line and say you open it, but you got to see out. Because <laughs> if you see something out there that you don't want to open it, you keep it closed. Are you with me now? Look at somebody say, windows represent revelation. So here's, here's the, what people think. People think if I give my tithe and the offering, the Lord's going to cause me to expand and grow. No. If you give your tithe and your offering, God's going to open windows of heaven so you can have insight and revelation. He's going to give you supernatural ideas on how to make money. And how to manage it effectively. So what's happening is this. So we hear preachers preach, give your tithes and your offerings, and you give tithes and offerings. And you say, how come I ain't getting nowhere? Look at somebody and say, because you ain't looked out the window. Everybody say, watch and pray. Do you listen to me? Do you really okay? Anybody who's who's done well in business, they were never thinking about their need. They were thinking about their purpose and their future. Okay, the way this world system is set up is set up so that you will not get your needs met.
It's set up so that you're, you're, you're constantly hustling to get your need met. That's how it's set up. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? It's set up that way. Look at somebody say, quit listening to what's on TV. You know, one day I was having a uh, conversation with a former executive from uh, Merrill Lynch. And uh, he made this comment. He said, uh, he talked about, and this was his quote, the small man. The small man is always doing what everybody else is doing. And he was talking about investing. Look, by the time it hits your TV, first of all, that's, you're being, okay. Look at somebody say, get saved from media manipulation. Look, I learned, I got to say this in passing, and I'm going to try to get to watch and pray. I learned when I was 17 years of age not to believe the media, to read between the lines. Here's how it happened. I was, you know, a little bit of a basketball star. And so we was playing this game, and I scored the last two points, so we won the game. And I scored like 36 points. Okay? Okay? So then it comes out in the paper, this guy comes out in the paper and he says that I said that's the best game I ever played. He's doing an interview in the paper. Only one problem. (laughs) That interview never happened. Never occurred. So I learned at 17 they just put stuff in the paper. Now, I'm not saying everything in the media is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, look at somebody say, a mark of maturity is discernment. And you have to discern what's true versus what's false. That's all I'm saying to you. Look at somebody say, discernment is the result of watching. Now, let me mess with you a little bit. Let me mess with you. It has been said that when Isaac went out to meditate, to think about the Lord, it was between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Look at somebody said the evening and the morning was the first day. Look at somebody say you ought to start your day in the word and in prayer. Look at somebody say and the word is always speaking to your future. Can I, can I tell you a, 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 a truth? If you'll focus on your future, which is the word, the word will always bring you out of your past and deliver you and set you free from your present. Okay. Okay. So y'all going to make me work tonight. I can see that right now. It has been said, hear me carefully now, hear me carefully, that from 9 to 12... It was that was the time when Jacob had his dream of the stairway to heaven. Look at somebody say, after watching and the word and prayer 
comes the revelation of heavenly realms. Are you with me now? Watch me now. Now, let me check my audience. I just want to check my audience. How many folk do I have here? You used to drink and get drunk. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Raise it high and look around the room. I want you to look at to see what kind of company you keeping right up in this church. Okay, put your hand down. Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Now, uh, this is not being DVD'd, is it? Okay, good, because it'll cause my next question. Look at somebody say, he going somewhere now. Now, how many of y'all used to actually do drugs? Raise your hands high, keep them up, and look around the room. Look around the room. Look what kind of company you keep. Put them down, put them down, put them down, put them down. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. How many of y'all used to sell drugs? Just to be honest, put them hands up, keep them up, keep them up. Now, sister, that, that hand ain't up very high. Put that hand up in the air. Put it. I need to pray for your healing. I know you can do better than that. Look, look, look. Put them down. Put them down. Put them down. How many of y'all, <laughs> before you got saved, been in jail? Now, I'm talking about overnight. I'm talking about a week. I'm talking about a month. I'm talking about longer. Raise your hands. Keep them raised. Look around the room. Okay. All right. You ready? You ready? How many of y'all? Now, watch me now. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, well, you know, but, but, you, but you save. You know. Watch me this. Watch me now. Okay. You ready? Watch this. Many times, 12 to 3 is the bewitching hour. How many of y'all, watch this, watch this, watch this. How many of y'all, we ain't going to talk about what kind of trouble you got yourself into. We ain't going to talk about what kind of sins you committed. We ain't going to talk about what kind of sins was committed against you. But how many of you, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of midnight on, raise your hands. Raise them high. Matter of fact, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. And you need to stand up on this one. Look around the room. Now keep standing. Now here's what ought to get you. Here's what ought to get you. Six to nine, in the word, watching, prayer, meditation. Nine to twelve, revelation of heavenly realms. God's talking to you about how you can prosper. Prosper, uh, um, nine to twelve is revelation. By the way, isn't it follow the revelation of the word? And prayer, revelation of what God is doing. Get that? Get that? And, and by the way, in the Hebrew, prosper is more than money. In the Hebrew, it means to have a good journey in the will of the Father. So when I talk about prosperity, don't think I'm just talking money. Look at somebody say, spiritual prosperity, mental prosperity, emotional prosperity, Physical prosperity, family prosperity, ministry prosperity, financial prosperity. Okay, that's everybody say, that's knowing God. But now 12 to 3 is the bewitching hour. Why is that? Because after God speaks and after God visits you, Satan attacks. Sit down. Watch, watch. 
Watch. God says, Moses, what's Pharaoh do? Let's kill all the male boys. Moses is the deliverer. God has acted. Now Satan does a counterattack. Jesus comes. Herod says, let's kill all the boys two years and what? Under. Everybody say counterattack. Jesus gets baptized. He submits himself to the ministry of another to come into his own ministry. Right? Jesus becomes that real high priest, right? Because he gets baptized and he hears the voice of the what? The father saying, you are my beloved son. Are you still with me? The spirit comes on Jesus. He goes, he fasts and prays for 40 days and 40 nights. After that comes the who? The enemy. Look at somebody say, every time you get a blessing, here comes the enemy. Look at somebody say, every time you get a victory. Look at somebody say, every time you take territory, the enemy's going to come to try to retake it. Look at somebody say, behind, after every blessing is a trial. But then look at somebody say, but, but, but after every trial is another blessing. Now let me tell you your problem. Look at somebody say, let me tell you your problem. You are looking for blessings when you are in the season of a And when you are in this season of the trial, the devil's talking to you about what God isn't doing. But when you are in the season of the trial, it's not about what God is doing for you. It's about what God's trying to do. Listen, write this down. Write this down. You have to know what you're looking for to know what you're looking at. You have to know what you're looking for to know what you're looking at. Listen to me. When you are in the season of trial, it's like Murphy's Law. What can go wrong will go All you have to do is just stay with God. This ain't the time that God's doing something for you. This is the time God's doing something in you. Why do you need this time? Because if if God doesn't give you this trial and do something in you, then you won't be able to hold on to what he does for you when you come out. You need to hear this. Listen to me. Please hear me. Write this down. Listen to me. The longer the trial, the more God's doing in you. So that you'll be strong enough to carry the weight of what he's going to do for you. I'm going to say it again. 
the harder the trial, the longer the trial, the deeper the trial, the more varied the trial, the more God's trying to do on the inside of you so that he can strengthen you to carry the weight of what he's going to do for you when you have outlasted the trial. That's why during the trial you cannot react to what the enemy's saying and doing. You have to continue to respond to what Jesus has told you. Okay, listen to me. Please hear me. Do you want to know what the purpose of the trial is? The purpose of the trial is to get you to pay attention to your need. To shift your focus off your future. So that, so that Satan can get you stuck. Okay, let me say it to you another way. Everybody look at me. Do you want to know what your circumstance is? It's the circle in which you stand. Your circumstance is the circle in which you stand. That's your need. God's always calling you beyond. And the minute you respond to the call beyond, you get above your need. Either either your need is going to master you or you're going to master your need. So is your mind on your need or is your mind on your master? His purpose. So when I talk about these watches, so let's go to the next watch. Because see, in this third watch, it's all about warfare. And it's how, look at somebody say, it's how you worship. Okay, it's how you worship during the warfare. Because here's what happens. Okay, listen, I've been there. Look at somebody say, how do you think the preacher knows? Because when you get in the middle of this warfare, the last thing you want to do is worship. The first thing you want to do is worry. Are you here? Look, everything I'm preaching to you, I know what I'm talking about. How do you think we preachers know? Look at somebody say, he ain't really talking about you, he's talking about himself. Oh, see, I'm going to leave that alone. So now, watch this. So once you get through this attack, and see, it's individual, it's, it's husband and wife, it's children, It's family, it's finances, it's church, it's ministry. And see, here's your problem. You think you did something wrong. Oh, that hit. That hit. 
Look at somebody say, that hit. See, I want to say, see, you can do with this whatever you want to do with this. There are some trials that are the result of what you did right. And it fell apart and you can't explain it. Look at somebody say, let your mind rest. Look at somebody say, there's some stuff that's going to happen you can't explain. See, you, see, I, I gotta, I gotta get you delivered from something. You think that if I live right, everything ought to go right. Look at somebody say, wrong. I'm telling you, that's what we think. Yet, how many folk in here have lifted weights? Raise your hands. You got to have resistance to develop your muscles. And the Bible says concerning the sons of Israel, the time of Pharaoh, the more Pharaoh afflicted them, the more they grew. You got to have a, some affliction to get your anointing. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay, say, okay, okay. Look at somebody say, read your Bible. When they make up the, the ingredients of the anointing, two-thirds of it's bitter. I'm just trying to help you. See, you think, listen, let me help you. David, a lot of folks think they're going to get their breakthrough through a glory cloud. No, your breakthrough begins in that cloud of trial. When you, when you, when, when you are perplexed, when you are looking at the situation and you have done everything you know to do and it still ain't working. Are you hearing me? And then you can't do nothing but stand by faith. This is the true grace of God in which you what? Stand. And you ain't just standing, you're Pushing against the enemy who's pushing against you. You just hold on. That's why Jesus said to one of the churches, he said, hold fast to what you have. Don't let anyone take your reward. What's happening in this season of trial? Satan's trying to steal your reward. Look at somebody say, yeah, you're a mama. Yeah, you're a daddy. <laughs> but look at somebody say, but they're your kids. Look at somebody say, did you forgot how you came up? My mom and dad taught me right. That didn't stop me. <laughs> I found sin to get into. Contrary to the teaching of my parents. Does that mean they did something wrong? No. 
I imagine my daddy and my mama did stuff they didn't tell me about when they was younger. But I ain't going to bring it up to them. What's wrong with y'all? I want you to look at some woman who you know is a mom and say, Mama, quit feeling guilty. Now, I'm sure you made some mistakes because all of us parents have. Because I ain't met no perfect parents. Look at somebody say, Jesus is a redeemer. Look at somebody say, you know God can do miracles. Because I'm looking at you. And you know the truth that God has turned some of your mistakes into miracles. Then what's wrong with you? Why can't God do that for your children too? I feel whole much better. So three to six. Look at somebody say, the hand of God. You know, the disciples were in the storm, and Jesus came to them in the fourth watch. Early in the morning. And here's what's wild. Jesus come walking to them on the water, day in the storm. Jesus steps into the ship. And if you go back and you read John's gospel, it says immediately the whole ship was where they was going. Look at somebody say, trans-relocation. So what I want to say to you is Proverbs 3 says, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your... There's some stuff your head cannot wrap itself around. Okay, now I got to go here. And I'm on, look at somebody say, praise the Lord, the preacher's almost done. This is why you should quit judging each other. Because whatever your judgment is right now on your brother, look at somebody say, it's premature. Premature. It ain't over yet. Look at somebody say, it ain't over yet. Oh, no, no, ain't no point. You, I mean, you can judge me if you want, but you're wasting your time. Look at somebody and say, you're looking in the wrong direction. Because <laughs> whatever, listen to me, watch me now. Whatever the Lord is teaching me, it has everything to do with where he's taking me. Okay, you heard it, but you didn't hear it. Whatever the Lord is teaching you. It has everything to do with where he's taking you. Listen to me carefully. You don't get taught outside of your purpose and your destiny. Look at somebody say, your revelation fits your purpose. Okay, okay. Are you still good? I'm trying to wrap it up. 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 So see, look at somebody say, and from six on, it's day. 
you're supposed to work. And see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about these eight watches, okay? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I ain't got to worry about you during the day. I, look at somebody and say, I got to get you through the night. Because, and I know this is, this is not, look at somebody and say, this ain't a prophetic word. I'm not speaking bad, nothing bad on you. But the fact of the matter is, there is a pattern. And when this squeeze is on, there's some stuff God's trying to get out of you so he can put some stuff in you. <laughs> you know, look at, look at somebody say, you know what the trial is designed to do? Is to bring out of you what you won't admit it's already there. Okay, see, okay, yeah. You know what, I remember, listen, 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 listen. I remember this brother, listen, listen, listen. I remember this brother, he had been praying over his anger. He thought he conquered it. And then one day somebody made him so mad. And he said to the Lord, Lord, I lost my temper. God said, no, you just found it. See, there's some folk you think the devil sent them to you, into your life. Some folk God sent show you you ain't all that in a bag of chips. You all right as long as it's me and Jesus. Let God bring somebody to you that's like you. I'm going to leave that alone. 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 Your biggest problem is with folk who ain't, who are like you. Because <laughs> God can't show it to you just by saying you got this problem, because you're in denial. So God brings somebody to you who got the problem, and you see it in them, and then the Holy Ghost say, mm, eh, eh, eh. that's you. I'm trying to quit, but I'm having trouble, Lord. I'm really having trouble. So here's what's happening. Please hear me. We are missing the supernatural because we're looking for the spectacular. But there is a supernatural dimension to simple discipleship. I'm going to say it again. But somebody said, you must be against the supernatural. Listen, I just came back from Cordova, California. We, we saw God. <laughs> they, there was a guy in Vietnam who spent 16 years in prison. He, I went to this men's home to preach. And they called him Half Moon. The reason they called him Half Moon, because half of this eye was gray, and the other half was brown. Half of this eye was gray. The other half was brown. So when we pray for him, we watch both eyes become totally brown. And he goes, I can see, I can see. We didn't pray for his leg because he couldn't even move his leg up like this. All of a sudden, God just healed him. So I ain't got a problem with the supernatural. We prayed for a guy. He had, uh, he had a scar here and a scar here. He had metal from here to here. The majority of the church knew him, could feel the metal. 
Instantly, God dissolves the metal. People come up and go, I can't feel it. He goes, pain disappears. Here's what's going to blow you away. We had seven of those cases. Seven people who had metal. God dissolved the metal and they were pain free. Seven. Okay. One woman had metal from here to here along her spine. God removed it. Another guy had metal right here. God removed it. One guy had 13 operations. Metal in his back and his legs. He said, I was a skeptic. Until God healed him. Converted it to bone. So that's spectacular. Woman's there on the front row crying. Because all of a sudden her blind eye opens up and she can see. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody say, spectacular miracles. But what is supernatural? Goes beyond the spectacular. It's when you commit yourself to God's purpose, leaving your purpose behind. Now that's the supernatural process of discipleship where you say, I want to know you, Jesus, and the way I'm going to know you, Jesus, I'm going to deny myself, take up the cross, and I'm going to follow in your steps until I come to know you with intimacy, Jesus. And that means, hear me carefully, that means suffering, that means sacrifice, and that means service. Write that down. Look at somebody say, you know Jesus through suffering. Sacrifice and service. And that ain't spectacular. And the reason I know some of us are missing it is because if I, please hear me, if I asked you how many souls you won to Jesus, that you got sitting beside you in your church right now. That'll show you what you really know. Beloved, I'm not criticizing you. But here's the purpose of the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, its purpose is to reveal where you're not. And where you are, because the purpose of preaching and teaching is to locate you. Look at somebody say, he's holding up this mirror of revelation. Because it's not, see, listen to me, it is not your priority to win souls. The reason I know it's not your priority to win souls, it ain't on your calendar every week. You ain't got them on your calendar. You're not praying for them every day. You ain't calling them up. You ain't talking to them. You ain't getting them here. And then when pastor gives the altar call, you ain't, go, you ain't saying, let's go up there together. And then when service is over, you're going to say, well, maybe I can pray with you, lead you into salvation. Now, let's tell somebody. And then you call them up every day. That's not your priority. No, you're trying to get your need met. So you sleep in the light. And then you are wondering why God 
Okay, listen to me. Hear me carefully. Here's what we don't get. Please hear me. What I'm going to say next, do you realize that people are your escorts into destiny? People are your escorts into destiny. In that, it is who you serve, and God sees your service by love and your suffering and your sacrifice, that God says, that's me. I've been looking for myself. I see me there. I see myself in you. So I have to promote you. Now hear me carefully. Listen, mark my words. The revelation you reject is the manifestation God holds in the heavens. In that, if you don't become a soul winner and a discipler, you're going to find out that you're going to be frustrated. Because Jesus, see, look at somebody say, the only thing you can take with you to heaven is other souls. And so if you want the favor of God, pay attention to what he's saying and doing. And do it with him. See, and what's going to blow you away is this. People will start to like you and won't even know why they like you. (laughs) Now, I'm going to show you how... Now. I'm going to show you how far this will go. Okay, I got to say, I'm trying to close, but I I, I just feel like I'm supposed to. You guys forgive me? Okay. Because, see, I know you want personal ministry, but look at somebody and say, you're getting personal ministry right now. Look at somebody and say, because the preacher's moving in the word of knowledge right now. Look at somebody and say, he just ain't calling you out by name. Watch this. Please hear this. Success is not, does not come by what you do occasionally. Success comes by your daily routine. You think you need a visitation to have forward movement. But what God is looking for is for you to be consistent. I'm going to say it again. You think that you got to have a supernatural visitation for, to have advancement. That ain't really what you need. You just got to be constant and consistent doing what you know the Lord told you to do. Even when it's boring. Okay, you ready? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over what? Many. An abundant life can't get you to do a few things.
consistency. Okay. Okay. There's a man of God, true man of God. I ain't going to tell you his name. Every day he covenant with the Lord to meet with the Lord at a certain time in prayer. One day he came. The Lord spoke to him and said, you're late. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> you want God to do something for you and you can't even be here on time. Look at somebody and say, soldiers are on time. Look at somebody, successful businessmen are on time. You got to act the part before you step into the part. I'm going to quit preaching. I ain't done. I'll never get done. It don't happen. Listen to me. Listen to me. Six to nine. Now you can reverse it and make it in the morning if you want, because you are a Gentile. Look at somebody and say, we do stuff backwards. Look at somebody and say, it ain't the time, it's the principle. Okay? Meditation, the word, watching, prayer. Right? Revelation. What God is saying, what God is doing. The revelation has to be tested by trial. When you endure the trial and you go through the warfare and you continue to worship, then God begins to work in your behalf. God does the work in you during the trial so that when he does it for you, you can maintain. Hear me carefully. A lot of people don't get this. When you are in your trial, you're actually in a season of dynamic development. It's just unseen. <laughs> when you hit your season of blessing, you're in dynamic development. But now what was invisible becomes visible to you and to others. Look at somebody and say, quit wasting your sorrows. You have to look at somebody. Okay, I have to say this. I, you know, I keep seeing things. Okay. Okay. Let me, I got to say this. Will you guys forgive me for going long? Because, see, what you're trying, listen to me. Please hear me. You're trying to p pray away the pain of the process. You cannot pray away the pain of this process. This process is meant to be painful. Okay, here's what happens, Tracy. People do it to me all the time. They want me to come and pray away their process of pain. And then when I can't pray away their process of pain that God put them in, they think something wrong with my prayers. Ain't nothing wrong with my prayers. My prayers are good to go. <laughs> Man, I got a call from a pastor from New York. He said, remember that woman you prayed for with the hole in the heart? Yeah, she went back to the doctor. 
the hole was filled. Hey, remember that man who, who uh, got hit with that? He was a soldier. He was in Iraq. He got hit by a roadside bomb. He could, when I asked him what church to go to, he couldn't remember the name of the church he went to. Couldn't remember his friends. Couldn't remember nothing. They had rebuilt part of his back. He had a brace, couldn't feel his toes, was in pain. I said, sit here and watch God do some miracles. When God heals him, all his pain disappears. When I ask him what church he goes to, he can remember. All his pain is gone. He can feel his toes. Then I get a call from the pastor. Remember that guy? Yeah. He remembers stuff from before the accident. So he goes to the doctor. And apparently when we prayed for him, his muscle was as big as a finger, and they saw this growth. So they said, we better check it out. Well, he had grown the muscle back in his leg. Ain't nothing wrong with my prayers. (laughs) My point is, listen to me carefully. The lid on your leadership capability, possibility, is determined by how much pain you can process successfully and still love God and love people. I'm going to repeat it. The level, the lid on your level of success Leadership is determined by how much pain you can process successfully and still love God and still love people. Now, if the master had to suffer pain to fulfill the will of the Father, If the teacher had to suffer pain to fulfill the will of the Father, what makes you think as his learner and disciple that you're not going to have to walk through a similar process? I'm not talking about sickness or disease. I'm talking about the stuff that has to do with coping with difficult situations that come our way as the process of living life. God ain't against you. He's for you. But he's got to take you through this process. Listen to me. And I'm closing with this. Listen to me. Please hear me. It is your ability to process pain successfully. And sometimes that means I got pain. Sometimes that means, let me tell you what my pain is. Sometimes that means I'm a homicidal saint. I'm not filled with the spirit right now. I want to kill somebody. Let me tell you who I feel like killing. Are you with me? You need to pray for me. Right now. Don't tell me you're going to pray for me. I'm homicidal right now. I know how to make them disappear. I'll say, I ain't playing with you. I had a brother come to me. Loves me. Loves me. I love him. Loves God. He comes to me. Now, I'm right in the middle of preaching. 
at home church. He said, you got to pray for me. Interrupt my preaching. Mm, pray, pray for me now. Mm, mm, mm. And he begins to tell me. <laughs> so privately later on, he begins to tell me why. Ooh. Before he was saved, he did this guy dirty. So this guy decided to do his girlfriend dirty. Now, wait a minute. That's a street thing now. Now he's hot. He done already figured out. He done already, he done already called his boys from Chicago. That's where he's from. He already called his boys from Chicago. They were going to take the, this guy out. He wasn't even going to see it coming. I mean, you know, his face, and he know he got a, he got a murder spirit on. He come and tell me. I'm in church. Before I go for the detail, I got a murderous spirit on me, Pastor. Come here, pray for me right now. <laughs> we pray for that, brother. He never did have his boys take this guy out. Oh, I had to talk to him. But wow, you know what I'm saying? I was very concerned. I knew where this brother come from. And it didn't matter the miracle that he did, because he had been shot three times. Could feel nothing from the waist down. His, watch me now. His grandmother prayed for him every day in the Holy Spirit for 18 months. The last day of the 18th month, all of a sudden he said, I got pain from my waist down. I could feel. I got up, I walked. He'd been walking ever since. Look at somebody and say, sometimes it don't happen right away. And even though God had, and he had a heart attack, backslid after that, had a heart attack, and couldn't, and trying to call 911, ain't got no voice, so he decided to better call Jesus and got gloriously saved. But the Lord delivered him from killing that brother or, you know, going through on the contract. This is the kind of folk I got in my church. So, anyway, my point. What what qualifies you to minister to people is the pain you've been through. That's what gives you the right in their eyes to minister to them because they look at you and they say, once they hear your story, they go, you understand. So now I'm going to let you into my life. That's why, listen to me carefully, God has to let you go through stuff. Hear me carefully. Listen to me. When they found out that there was wealth in the ocean, they built a platform to mine the wealth. Everybody said to get the oil. God said, I'll give you treasures in darkness. How you think you're going to mine the wealth and get the oil, the treasures out of the darkness with your people? You platform your ministry based upon what you've been through. You platform your ministry based upon what God's brought you through. You platform your ministry based upon where Jesus has made you an overcomer. So when people hear your pain and how God brought you into healing peace 
and how you're making progress. That becomes a pathway into their heart. Hear me carefully, and I'm closing. You have to touch the heart to manifest the supernatural presence and power of God. Give the Lord a hand clap. Now, I want you to stand to your feet. 